The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Joseph Sund. Hey, Father Joseph. How are we doing? Very well, thanks. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Dom. Uh, Folks, before we get into it, I want to tell you about another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy called The Secrets of Star Wars. And with the new Andor series starting soon and the new Bad Batch season coming up, you definitely want to check that out. So go to sqpn.com slash Star Wars or find it in any of the podcast directories. May the force be with you (laughs) and with your spirit. So (laughs) Catholic Star Wars geeks. So, uh. Uh, we've got some listener feedback I'd like to start with from our last episode, number 176, uh, where we our, our uh, topic, main topic was your tech has a death date. Uh, we had an email from Catherine who writes, the half-life of tech has been a topic of conversation for years in our house, but since a few members in the house have pack rat tendencies, she didn't say who, by the way, we have had fun and failed hopes of extending the lives of our tech. This summer's successful rescue was my husband's Generation 1 Apple Watch. Our youngest daughter, now a college grad, asked if she could have the watch since my husband bought a new one. The Gen 1 had literally blown its face off. (laughs) Suicidal watches. (laughs) It still functioned, but the face was now about a quarter inch above one corner of the housing. She took it to a phone repair shop, and they said this happens all the time because the battery expands as it dies. For less than a hundred bucks, she now has a new quote unquote watch, and my husband feels better about splurging on a new one. Yes, Dom, Apple Watches can be fixed. Well, thank you, Catherine. That's awesome news to hear because uh, I did not, I, I didn't think it could be done, but evidently they can. The, the these phone repair shop guys can do it. Obviously, it would be outside of warranty and that sort of thing. But yeah, uh, my question about that is. The first gen, I don't think it's a worry because there wasn't too much waterproofing in it to begin with. But with the newer ones, once they've broken that, um, once they the broken the seal, the waterproof on it, um, I would want to make sure I take off that wash watch while I'm washing um, my hands or anything. So maybe feedback to her to make sure her daughter, um, yeah, doesn't get any major water in that. Yeah, you can't just soak it in some linseed oil or something to waterproof. <laughs> <laughs> Carry, just put it in a bag of rice around your wrist. That would probably be worth. There you no. go. Uh, but yeah, no, that's actually a good point. Once you've broken the waterproof seal, uh, I don't know if I trust the mall repair phone repair shop to to get that that waterproof seal back the way it was. But that's a good point. Although, given that the um, it had already separated, it was no longer waterproof to begin with. But yeah, that whole thing with the battery expanding. I've had several encounters with that. Uh, most recently I had this old Android phone that uh, our friend Jack had given me. I, I, I like to have an Android phone just when 
listeners have problems and they're like, oh, I'm trying to download to my Android phone using this Android app. I can look at the app instead of saying stop using Android and use iPhone. But uh, so that to be more helpful. But I just recently like found the phone on my desk and I'm like, oh, that's not good. It had blown apart like the whole the screen was inches away from the rest of it and the battery hit was just terrible. So you got to be you got to watch out for those those lithium ion batteries. They they do have a tendency. We had about 50 iPads in the high school about four years ago that expanded and took the screen off them. Um, luckily, Apple was very good about replacement of them. That sounds like a manufacturing defect if they all went. Yeah. yeah. And they were very good. They got them to us within a week. Of wow. Them. That's good. And so we were very pleased with their um, service after that. So Awesome. That's good to hear. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, you, a little ingenuity and a lot of these things can be fixed. I still hold that AirPods are, you cannot replace the battery. I just, like, I, if, if someone can do it, I want to see it. Like, I'd, I'd like to see it. I, so. want, I want video proof of that one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And proof that it's working again. Oh, man. All right. So let's head into our first topic that we wanted to talk about, which is this New York Times article titled The Rise of the Worker Productivity Score. And the article itself talks about how this this new trend within uh, w- the working world of monitoring people uh, for every moment to monitor their productivity, um, especially. And this isn't necessarily new for people who were um, uh, blue collar jobs, you know, line working on assembly lines, that sort of stuff. Uh, but. The move into the white collar job space, the digital worker space is, is relatively new. And so there's this whole thing about how uh, companies using software to track all the things you do in your in your work on the screen, you know, on your computer. They're using, um, you know, they're logging your 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 mouse movements and your keyboard uh, use. They some of the software will snap a photo using the webcam every so often at random to make sure that you're there and engaged. And there's some complaints by some of the people about how it doesn't it doesn't take into account all of the job that I'm doing or I'm getting docked money because I'm getting up to refill my cup of coffee or, you know, and these sorts of things. So first impressions of this story, wh- what did you think? We'll get into the details of some of the stuff, but what's your first impression, Victor, of this sort of story? Yeah, and I do work uh, for a company in industry where this would be kind of like a prime candidate for this, where we, we all went to remote work and the white collar side of things, you know, with with COVID and to large extent, most most people are still working from home most of the time. And uh, so I can definitely see the allure for for, you know, managers who, uh, you know, just to be candid, probably aren't very good managers. If this is, you know, if they if this is what they mm-hmm. feel they need to do to to keep tabs on their people, as opposed to setting, you know, clear objectives and have expectations around deliverables and, and stuff um, that doesn't work in all, you know, industries, but uh, we get, we can get into some of the specific examples in the article and it's mm-hmm. quite, it's quite, <laughs> uh, I want to say almost humorous, but it's not yeah. the, some, some of the like hospital, you know, like chaplains and stuff, but, but it's, it, and it is, a, it is kind of, you know, another one of these things where just because you can measure something doesn't mean it's necessarily the metrics you want to measure 
or that it's going to be beneficial in any way to, you know, what you think your goals are if, if you kind of manage to those specific uh, metrics. Right. How about you, Father? Um, I completely nerded out with this article. Um, so my major in college before entering seminary was management of information systems, um, quantitative analysis. Um, and my dad at Mutual of Omaha did um, his major project was work management systems. Um, so right up that alley there. Um, but when he did that, um, that was more about you know, inventorying files, um, not digital files, right? F- right. Files. Literal piece of paper. Yep. Literal piece of paper, putting barcodes on files and um, making sure that work happened in a good way, right? And that mm-hmm. the system was at the service of people, not the people being... Um, slaves of the system right Right. and so i think this is a complete turnaround of what the idea of work management systems was meant to be um to begin with well it's kind of the the this is the dystopian thing in fact i think this is the sort of thing that popes like leo the 13th and john paul ii would were writing about in their economics encyclicals which is the the worker is not a, a a unit of production. The worker is mm-hmm. is a human being who has the dignity of of the image of God in them that has to be treated like that. They can't be treated like a machine. Um, efficiency is good, and and we owe our our bosses, the people paying us to to work, we owe them a day of work. We owe them what we agree to give. The question is really: Is this the right way to 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 go about? ensuring that we're doing our jobs. Uh, you know, the, there's this current trend in technology in general to measure everything. You know, we metricize all of our things. You know, we have step counts and we, you know, uh, we have habit trackers and we, you know, record all the food we eat and we're all the, into the, all these metrics. And the, the question is, is it, is it useful to even measure all these things? Does it make a difference? Are we just obsessing over numbers? Uh, and that's the kind of thing that, that this sort of article brings up for me. Yeah, it, it is. Where's the insight? I mean, you can have all the data in the world, but if you, if you don't have an insight into, you know, how is this supposed to change how we're managing people or how we're, how is this going to help us, you know, change people's behaviors or change the culture of our workforce? If you don't have some goal in mind and you're just, oh, great, now I can tell how many bathroom breaks my employees are taking. And, and you're right, it is very dehumanizing and, and it's been headed this way for a while. I mean, people talk about Amazon and just the situation in the, in the factories there where, you know, people wear, wear diapers because it's too hard, you know, to, to get away for bathroom break. And we, we can say how awful that is, but at the same time, if our, you know, charging cable doesn't arrive between two and 5 PM <laughs> the same day we order right. it, I mean, we're, we're screaming bloody murder. So, you know, it, it, any sort of change here, will require that yes the the companies realize that their you know employees are human beings and treat them that way but that we as consumers also like right have, uh, you know make make some allowances uh, as well that's a good point that's a good point yeah one thing is that i think we've been doing this in education for a while um with measuring how well students have learned with these the achievement mandated test. test. Yeah. Those yeah. measured tests. Um, 
instead of asking the bigger question of um, have I formed this young man or woman as a human being, right? right. And that's something that's not measurable. Right. Um, I'm able to tell the measure of understanding of a student through a lot more than test. No, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean I'm not going to give them test, right? But there's um, more metrics to it right. than that. Right. That's the, that's the big thing. It's only part of the picture. And some of this, I mean, many of us have had bad jobs where we've had bosses who breathe down our neck. And, you know, you can you can hear in this article, like in these, some of these cases where they're docking people for their pay in 10 minute increments, like because and it just feels like, you know, this is that it's just an opportunity to. To, to save some money on the budget, you know, just, you know, or to lord it over people. I don't know if you guys have seen that Apple TV plus series severance, but it's, if you want to see this taken to that nth degree, that's the, like, watch that. It's a, it's a great series regardless. It's like dystopian workplace to the, to the 10th level. Uh, but it, it's really that sort of, it feels like that sort of thing, but it's also the question of, are we, you know, should we be measuring people's time as a as is is that a measure of efficiency you know because you it's already been proven in you know through workplace uh, psychology industrial psychology that sort of stuff you can't work continuously for hours at a time you know focused on a task you your your brain just doesn't work like that um this is the famous pomodoro timer technique where you work uh 20 minutes then you'd switch to something else for 10 minutes, you know, in usually some other mode, like not something else on the computer, but like get up and, you know, file things or, you know, uh, that sort of stuff. Um, or uh, just the fact that you, you need to mentor other people. You know, if I'm, if I'm working with other people, I need to engage with them. And so how does that engagement occur? Do, does it always have to occur in an email or via Slack? Or maybe I can, we can, we can stand together and talk like people, um, that sort of thing. So it's, it really feels like it, it, this sort of thing doesn't, especially as they explain it in the article, very, a lot of it doesn't encompass what people's actual jobs are even. Yeah. And they're measuring things by keyboard, um, activity and some right. of these and or mouse waggles and, and, you know, if I'm having to think or add things or um, use an actual calculator instead of the calculator on my computer, that's not going to log that. Right. Um, and so this, before we even get to the human elements, there's some software elements here that are just grossly wrong to begin with. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, what, one example where this can can be done, you know, in a in a good way, and it's and it's for a different purpose. But you know, we do use Microsoft Outlook Outlook at work in the Microsoft Office suite, and they have uh, something that they added, you know, called like insights to that, where you know every day I'll get a note that says, "Hey, you know, in your emails, you know, we we've read the contents of your email, which fine, it's work email, and um, this is automated too. Like these are commitments we think you may have made." you know, via email where I, I might've said like, I'll follow up on that or I'll, I'll ping so-and-so, you know, just checking that you are following up on that. And sometimes it's good. It's like, oh yeah, I had completely forgotten that I'd emailed this person and said I would do that. Um, you know, and it might say, you know, Hey, you're spending, you know, a certain percentage of your 
workday and in meetings, do you want us to block off some some time where you can just you know do focus work and heads down work and stuff? So th- so there are you know good practical applications where this mm-hmm. can you know help you be more effective. But if it's just to ride herd on people, I mean, yeah, I I can't see how that's ever ever a good thing. The product that you're referencing is called the Viva Insights on Outlook. Um, And I've been very impressed with it. It also reminds me that I need to take a lunch every day, which is. (laughs) I have a reminder, but it's uh, situated below my lungs. It's called my stomach. That's what reminds me I need to take (laughs) my lunch. Uh, You know, actually, there is some value in in personal time tracking. I I, I do want to say that, like I I occasionally will take a week and I use a software called Timings on on the Mac uh, that allows that it some of it's automated and some of it I have to to enter my time in it but it allows me to see how much time am I spending on the various parts of my my work uh how much time do I spend editing podcasts or recording podcasts or working on um you know fundraising or uh social media or connecting with you know organizing with people that sort of stuff and that's useful to me to see how you know What am I doing? How am I doing? What 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 areas am I spending more time on than I thought I was? That sort of thing, I think, is perfectly fine and helpful. And in fact, I would encourage people to do that, uh, you know, on on a regular basis or companies to help people to do that. But it's the it's the way that this sort of thing engenders suspicion and a divide between employees and employer. This whole idea, it feels like the whole this whole idea, the unspoken thing is. You're trying employer saying to employee, you're trying to cheat me out of my money and I'm trying to uh, prevent that w- through these these other means. And so, it, like, like I said before, it creates this adversarial uh, position. Um, there, there used to be this this divide between salary and hourly worker, like this understanding An hourly worker. It the, you know, you the idea is you come in and I pay you for each hour of work and therefore I expect, you know, a certain production in that work. But a salary worker is someone I'm not looking for a number of hours. I'm looking for a body of work. You know, you're the, you're the, you have a type of job that requires you to accomplish a goal, however many hours that takes over time. And it feels like this sort of thing is kind of moving everybody back into the hourly worker. Like I was surprised that this senior vice president was being docked in 10 minute increments. Yeah, that was yeah, that was particularly like surprising as well. Where if you, if you go through the whole trouble of doing an executive talent search and hiring somebody, and then you're going to say, okay, you know, we're I don't even know, like like kids in school aren't even you know monitored that much, right? It's yeah, it is. And then the the most striking uh, example to me was the the hospice chaplains who are awarded like points based on the duties they. You know, it, it almost reminded me of like the uh, the the Shroot Bucks episode of The Office, where Dwight Shroot <laughs> is in charge and giving everybody a certain amount of Shroot Bucks for doing things. So it was like, if you counsel a dying person, that's one credit. If you do a funeral, that's one and a quarter credits. If you, you know, if you counsel a family member over the phone, that's a quarter of a credit. And and it was just completely like baffling to me that if you're, you know, why are these people here? And in right. Yeah, the the very line of work that should be most in line with like who the human person is and how we should be at service of them and not. Yeah, it's just weird that that line of work that would find its way into. 
Yeah, like it was crazy because they they were like they were expecting so many productivity points out of the chaplains for whatever reason. It's not like a chaplain is making widgets, you know. Like I don't understand why why you need more productivity from a chaplain. And so the chaplains end up, you know, as one of them admits, like I would. I realized going to a group home gave me more productivity points than going to a single, you know, family residence. So I spent more time in group homes. And sometimes I would, oh, she say like uh, farming for points where she would, or fishing for points where she would just kind of wander around the hospital and check in on people, even if they were asleep or having procedures. Is they, are they okay? Okay. That counts as a point. And it's, and that's part of the problem is it, you, people start to make work in order to, get the points instead of do the work that they're being paid to do. They're, they're, they're not actually being better employees. You're, you're encouraging them to be the type of employee who just needs to rack up points to, to fix, to do the, to obey the system, put it that way, than it is to do the job. I think that's what I'm saying. Now I have seen that there's positive use of software like this for people who are freelancers and you're kind of alluding to that. Yeah. And people who, let's say I'm a web designer um, and I've been undercharging my clients because I really don't know how much time I'm spending. Um, And so they use software such as this to track um, and to help them know how much time they're spending to be able to charge the right amount. Well, definitely. And that's the thing is if, if you're choosing to do it for your own use, that's one thing. Uh, but it's when it's imposed on you from outside and it's not really measuring how you do. And that's that's always been my philosophy. Like when I've ever hired somebody, it's I've always kind of tried to say, look, you're an adult and I'm hiring you to do a job. I am not going to be concerned with what you do every minute of the day. I'm going to be concerned with whether you get the things done that I'm paying you to do. And if you don't get them done and I've asked I've asked bosses to, to be the same way with me, if I don't get my stuff done. Then come to me if I'm not getting it done in the in the time in you know, the goals that you set for me. Then we need to talk. But if I'm getting my stuff done, I don't want to have someone standing over my shoulder making sure that I'm not goofing off or whatever. You know, I'm getting the job done. So I mean, they they bring up some valid some uh, valid counter arguments in here. There was the the guy. There's a f- couple famous stories about programmers working for a company who outsourced their programming work to guys in who would, who would do it for 10% of what they're being paid in the like in a third world country and that sort of stuff and yeah i mean that's that happens but that's kind of rare let's be honest you yeah know? so um anyway i th- i think it's an interesting thing to keep an eye on i think it's uh something that is kind of dehumanizing but um hopefully we'll uh you know, it, it's not going to it's not going to last or it won't come to your job. Uh, that's for sure. I have parishioners tracking the time of my homilies already. <laughs> um, and I think that they may deduct um, money in the collection basket as the time of the homily increases. So, yes, um, just want to discourage the use of that software as well <laughs> for every minute over. Five minutes on the homily, I take a dollar off of my, my offering. 
That's, that's good. And if you get a chance, folks, to go to the link in the website uh, that we'll put in the show notes to the New York Times article because they've programmed, it's kind of cleverly programmed, and we'll actually do some tracking of you as you read the article uh, to, you know, so uh, how this, some of this stuff could kind of work. So it's, it's kind of fun, cleverly done. So before we move on to our next topic, I'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including David C. Uh, I think I, I think I, might, I wrote this right. Nike and Lisa S it might be Mike and Lisa S. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> it's, me. it's my typo. Kimberly N S Mark Y and David H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So we did not acquire Nike as a sponsor. Right, right. No, we did not. Okay. Uh, I'm not <laughs> I mean, if Nike wanted to give us a whole bunch of money to do our our work here in, in this apostolate, I, I don't know if I'd say no, but... Uh, I could use a new pair of Air Akins. <laughs> oh, man, Nike, you're leaving money on the table if you don't do that. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, our, speaking of logging what people do on their computers, there's this article uh, that called uh, says in-app browsers that act as key loggers. Now, what dun, you need dun, to... Dun. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. So what you need to know is that uh, a key logger is an is an app, usually uh, a, a nefarious one, that that looks at what you're typing on your whatever computer device you have and records every key press. Okay, and what this particular guy is saying, this uh, security researcher is saying, is that there are a lot of apps, phone apps. This this is not going to be true necessarily on a on a desktop or laptop computer, but mostly phone and, and uh, tablet apps um, that when you go to a website in the app, it's everything you do on that website, including typing in your username and password can be logged by these, by these apps, not every app, but particular ones that he points out. Um, so uh, I should probably start by saying, when you use an Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever you do in that app, what, whatever you type, whatever you look at, whatever you, uh, you know, uh, tap on, that's, it's a given that they know you're doing that because you're using their app. Okay, so we're not really talking about that. But if you click on a link to a website, say in TikTok, and it opens up a little web browser, it doesn't go to the Safari app, if, say, if you're on an iPhone. Or the or the Chrome app if you're on uh, Android, but if or it's brave or brave, which you can do yeah. on yeah. Android. Either. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, so it, if it doesn't go outside the app, if it's if it opens up the web the web page in the app, then that is within their realm, and they can pay, uh, they know everything you're doing. Uh, so this one re this researcher built a website called inappbrowser.com, and what it does is, is if you open up the uh, a link to that website inside an app, it will show you all the things that that app is trying to do to that website, um, and that's so that's how he's you know been doing this. And so, um, no surprise, the biggest offenders are TikTok, Instagram, Facebook app, um, 
And he, he mentions a few others that are not as bad, that they're, they're actually better. Um, it, TikTok is the worst. Then you have Instagram, Facebook Messenger, Facebook. Um, the, he, he mentions uh, Amazon fetches metadata, and it does put some uh, um, JavaScript code in for some reason. So if, if you open up a web, web page in the Amazon app, uh, but it doesn't do some of the, the worst things that the others do. Now, many of these apps, except TikTok, um, you can go into the setting of the app and um, particularly tell it to open the links in Safari or in Chrome or whatever the bra- browser of your telephone is. Right. Um, you can do that. And you should. <laughs> it's like, like right now, yes. if you use any of these apps uh, and it gives you the option, you should always, always default to opening in the default uh, web browser in your uh, on your in your device. Uh, and it's sure. important to note on these that you know if you're doing something like a VPN and you're still using these in-app browsers, you've completely voided everything you're doing for privacy, right? Um, because the in-app browsers um, giving all that information, they just might not know where you are, but. Right. They that's the thing is the in-app browser is already got all that information before like the VPN is the part off of the phone. The 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 in-app browser is on your phone. Like it's it's getting in there and getting the information before it ever gets to the VPN area. So, yeah, that's that's the problem. So, uh I I mean the the big thing here is just people need to be more aware. I mean, surprise the the app that's partially owned by the Communist Party government of China is spying on us again. Like, I, I, there are people I respect who use TikTok. They love TikTok. They think it's a great app, a great social media platform. But I'm sorry, <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I will not install it on any of my devices. I just nope. uh, every every single thing I see about it says this is a security and privacy nightmare that's designed to suck up data. And your time. <laughs> well, that yeah. too. That too. Um, so, yeah, just uh, yeah, I, I, you know, do with that what, what you will, folks. Um, all right, let's move on to our next headline, which is uh, also China-related but different. Uh, the headline is Hong Kong's phone-obsessed pedestrians get some extra help at the crosswalk. Uh, how many times have you guys seen um, crosswalk zombies where the uh, so- someone's get their head down as they're... Cr- Walking across the street, looking at their phone. It's called school dismissal. <laughs> right. <laughs> so uh, in Hong Kong, they have this pilot project where they, when they're projecting the the walk signals onto the ground at people's feet, because that's where their eyes are pointing uh, many times, um, and it's designed to, you know, counteract this problem of people stepping into traffic while looking at their phone instead of looking at the, the, the walk sign. Um, what do you think of this? Is this, um, is this encouraging behavior instead of getting people to modify their behavior or is it just facing reality? I'd like to see some, some data on like how effective this actually is because I know that like when I'm walking and I look at my phone and get sucked in my phone, like having a red light on the ground wouldn't, I wouldn't even notice that. Right. I mean, you're so absorbed with your phone that, you know, red light, green light, blue light, you know, no light on the ground. So <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't know how effective this is going to be, but I, if it saves one life, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I've seen people, uh, I've seen videos of people walking into like open holes in the ground. So if, yeah. you're, if you're not seeing that open hole in the ground in front of you, I'm not sure a red light shining on the ground in front of you is going to make a big difference either. They're, they're, tr- they're trying to do something um, to alleviate a problem. And again, I think this brings us back um, to our first topic. Um, we're using software to alleviate a problem that should be being um, using humanity and virtue to <laughs> right. alleviate. Um, So I'm not going to alleviate my problem of slacker workers with software. And I'm not going to alleviate my problem with people obsessed with their cell phones by a light shining at their feet. Let me ask you, do you guys do you guys walk around looking down at your phone like outside, like not in the house? But I mean, presumably, you know, your, your house well enough. But do you like walk down a sidewalk looking at your phone, reading your phone? When I cross streets, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll walk down and a sidewalk. I, rare, your phone. I rarely use my phone walking. Okay. Um, I I find that difficult, actually. <laughs> well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. Is I. I mean, I don't yeah. know if it's just old man or what, but no. I mean, I, I I walk, you know, just around the neighborhood and stuff, and I'm listening to podcasts, and if I get a text from my family, you know, I'll look at it. And I might start to reply and I, you know, don't live in a crowded, but you know, it's usually then that somebody else is walking the the opposite way on the sidewalk and I almost run into them and, or in the store or something <laughs> and say, whoops, I shouldn't be, you know, texting while I'm walking. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I don't, I don't do it as a habit because yeah, it's very easy to run into uh, other people. Oh, I, I'm, I'm just actually impressed that you can do that. Cause I, I, I apparently can't walk and shoot gum at the same time. Cause I can't text and walk. I have to, I stop short. I have to stop and, and open the phone and type with it because it's just, it's, it's a, uh, I'm not able to do it. Just. So if TikTok is already spying on everything that they're doing yeah, and they're in Hong Kong, shouldn't TikTok know that they're <laughs> at that crosswalk? And therefore, they could just put on their phone screen, stop. Well, that's probably <laughs> yeah, the next go. thing that that they'll do is they'll start putting the the signal on the on the screen of the phone that uh, you don't walk into the street. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just give everybody those Wally chairs, and then yeah, pump us all. They'll they'll stop themselves. <laughs> I think another form of it. But this is assuming people don't have headphones. And what they used to do um, was both the audio yeah. and visual. And the, part of that was for disabilities, which was right. very good that they did it. But part of it was also for people who just space out. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. The noise for the uh, when you can cross, when you can't. I wonder if it, if in a, in a loud city, I, I don't, I'm not in a loud, you know, very crowded cities very often, but I wonder if that works as well. It might, it might, it might, it's, it's a, it's a really loud clacking if you haven't ever heard it. So, yeah. Um, so our next headline is another interesting one. This is uh, a curious one because it says that New Jersey police used baby DNA to investigate crimes. According to a lawsuit, uh, what they've in, in New Jersey, the law says that every, uh, there's a mandatory mandatory testing program that every baby has to have a blood sample drawn within 48 hours of birth to screen them for 60 different disorders. Those samples are processed processed in a state-run lab, so it's all centralized. 
that then shares the data with the state health authority and then sends results to parents. Well, the New Jersey State Police has, in at least one case, and and presumably more, they they presumably have more uh, have come to light. They subpoenaed a testing lab for the blood sample drawn from one of those babies to perform DNA analysis to compare it to a crime committed purportedly by the child's father 25 years ago, because, you know, you can you can use DNA to link people, you know, the uh, children of children and siblings and I think cousins even uh I don't know the exact science of the uh, of the of the different. I think it's mitochondrial DNA shows that that uh, parentage um, and connection. And so they used this DNA to connect the the child's father to a crime and arrested him. And now they and they got a subpoena. You know, they they went to the court, got a got a court order. But uh, but the lawsuit says, look, this is uh, unlawful search and seizure. That this child didn't consent to having uh, his or her blood used in this case, and in the in because it's a minor, it would be the parents who would have to do the consenting, and neither parent consented, um, and and the child didn't commit a crime, so you can't you shouldn't be able to subpoena the child's blood. What do you think of this? Is it is it on the level or it's not on the level? No, <laughs> first I mean if I started reading the I was hor- I was horrified by the article itself, and then I read like. New Jersey has mandatory genetic screening for every and it's and it's like you have to have it done. And I I, I mean, the reason why that's like, re, you know, re, revulsive to, or repulsive to me on a, on a base level is be, because there would be this abuse of power. It's I guarantee you that when New Jersey put this law in on the books, they were like, oh, and we'll have public health information. Don't worry. It'll just we aren't going to use it to affect anybody's insurance or anybody's medical coverage or Anything like that, it won't be you. We just want to know, like, how to keep people, keep babies healthy. And I guarantee you there were privacy groups probably at the time who said, hey, look, if we have a database of everybody's DNA in New Jersey, you know, it's going to be used illegally mm-hmm. by law enforcement for these sorts of purposes. Oh, no, no, no. You're just a conspiracy theorist. You know, you're crazy. This is just for, for babies' health. And, yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Whenever you have a, a data national registry or a state registry of anything, it's it's going to be used by law by you know law enforcement who just you know that's just their job is to right if, suck if up data and yeah yeah if the data is there i'm gonna i'm gonna use it to to, to uh, solve a crime whenever there's data right it's not just a question of the people who use the data for what it's supposed to be used for and they use it ethically um it's also a question of does someone else have access to that data? How secure is that data? Mm-hmm. Um, and, what else can it be used for? And how long am I keeping that data? And this was one of the things that came up in this was, is there an end date to this data? So if I'm collecting it and then I'm just putting it in as a um, unidentifiable data, right? So if I'm trying to get, gather statistics as a whole of a population, um, that's one thing. Yeah, if you anonymize it and hash out the personal details and you just know that, like, in this county, we had 300 babies born, you know, and 20 with this specific genetic marker, but it's not tieable back to any, any individual person. Yeah. And that right. could be good for education, for planning ahead, for um, resources needed for education and that. Um, but... 
I don't see it being used that way. <laughs> to, to your point, Victor, like the, the, apparently the blood screening in, in, in New Jersey started in 1964 when they mandated screening for phenylketonuria, PKU, that one thing. But as it always happens, like people mock the whole slippery slope thing, but that's what it is. It started with, we need to screen for this one thing, just this one thing. That's all. And it grew and grew and grew and grew. And now it's 60 things and it's DNA and they're doing all and they're and they're holding on to it and they're using it for this sort of thing. I'm I'm okay with using the uh um twenty-three and me, those genealogy DNA things. Like if they use those that's how they caught the uh um Golden State Killer. Golden State Killer. But because you have to like you're an adult, you've had you've had you've taken the swab and you've signed it, you you know, you if if you read the document, you're signing the, an agreement that you're your DNA could be used for this. So that's, Hey, that's your but, adult. You've but, made it. Yeah. Decision. But I don't think people realize, and I've gotten in arguments with elderly family members who, for some reason, as people get older, they're like, Oh, I want to know everything about my genetic history when it has no relevance on your life at all. Right. And I had to tell them, it's like, okay, so now this information exists. It's not just your DNA. It's, you know, your grandkids mm-hmm. DNA too. Right. Well, as long as they don't commit a crime, right. And the police need to find them. It's like, well, what do you know is like, how do you know what's going to be a crime in 50 years? Right. You know, like maybe having the wrong opinions or going to the wrong church will be a crime and they'll have DNA, everybody who drinks from a chalice in a Catholic church or something. And what you're doing when you sign on to these 23, it's not just your DNA. It's not just your parents' DNA. It's your kids' DNA, your grandkids' DNA and your great grandkids' Uh, DNA. And your siblings and and cousins. And yeah. yeah, And you're, you basically have, you know, signed away a lot more than, than you think just, just to satisfy your curiosity. If you're one, 1024th native American, your children, your grandchildren might end up being killed by the DNA seeking killer robots. That we <laughs> yeah, talked about, last week. about. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, it, that that's a good point actually. Cause when you do this, you are, it's not just your DNA that you're putting in there. You're putting in your entire family's DNA and, uh, that mean yeah I, I can see that that's a good argument um be, well and also it's not even just what will be a crime in 50 years but people's dna shows up all over the place you know you could be mm-hmm. you could have been in a place where a crime was committed and your dna is found mm-hmm. and that's they 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 want to be, like innocent people have been swept up in these sorts of things before and you could be still be exonerated but you're going to have to go through this whole thing because of this uh that yeah that's true uh, so, uh, if you live in New Jersey, uh, be prepared to, I mean, maybe, you know, g- get in on this lawsuit or contact your legislator, you know, yeah, g- get this, get the, the law changed to prevent your baby's DNA from being used in this way. And, or, or don't live in New Jersey. Or don't live in, well, and who knows what <laughs> other states, I don't, I don't know what yeah, the other exactly. states laws are like, yeah. cause I'm pretty sure Massachusetts, our kids all had to have testing done. I'm not sure if it was the same thing though. If they, if they, if it was centrally, rec- you know, recorded. I think it was the the hospital did the testing. Um, yeah, they tested our kids' hearing and their bilirubins, and I think that was about it here yeah. in Michigan. So there may be a little bit more, but there's a benefit to living in the flyover states. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. F- Father Corey is always reminding me of uh, in Montana, like, uh, you know, you, you have you pretty much it's the Wild West still, so. I think all of our stories this week had to do with us being watched. You know, that's a good point. I didn't realize that as I was uh, 
uh, putting the the, the 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 outline together. But you're, that's a good point. Let me end up being something having to do with our our episode title. Yeah, I always feel like somebody's watching me. Right, <laughs> that old song. I was just thinking that same yeah. lyric in my head. We are of an age. <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right. So with that now that we've finished uh, all of the paranoid uh, headlines, let's move on to talk about where's, our. Where's my, where's my tinfoil hat? Where's my <laughs> copper tape? <laughs> let's talk about our picks of the week father joseph you're up first my um pick of the week is going to follow up a little bit on um last week's episode when we were talking about those darn teens and their um and their tech and their um craziness their um, smarty phones and their yeah. music and their high pants <laughs> yes their bell bo- their bell bottoms yeah um I was back um, in town and spent some time with both my sisters and realized that um, both of my nieces had the same phone Um, and that it was this phone from Gab Wireless Um, and Gab Wireless, they um, their advertising line is a safe cell phone for kids. Um, So I talked to both my sisters about. Um, this phone and did a little bit of research and they've been very pleased with it. Um, and so their advertisement really is that it's just a cell phone, right? So the kids are able to call um, and call approved contacts, text, um, do group messaging. I think there might be a music app in it, but the one thing there's not, the one thing that there's not is the internet browser that opens you up to basically Las Vegas, right? (laughs) Um, And there is no TikTok, no social media, none of that mess. Um, And so it's just a cell phone. Um, But it also gives you the benefit of the things that a lot of parents want, of the tracking on the cell phone. Um, And look at this. We're still being watched even on my pick of the week. Um, (laughs) The tracking on the cell phone is still there um, and all of that. And also, um, benefit for the kids, it looks like your regular smartphone. Um, You can even get the Samsung um, Galaxy phone. That It's a lower end of the Galaxy phone, but when you're just doing basic features, you don't need a higher end. Um, Last note, it gives you your camera. It gives you all those things you need to. And there's a watch too, like a cellular watch that you can use to make calls and stuff as well. So if your kids, uh, yeah, that might be good for younger kids. What I've seen that used for, um, my youngest niece, um, just got upgraded to being able to have the full phone. But when she was younger, um, my sister had her with the watch. Um, and so the watch is very limited. Um, no text messaging or anything. It's just phone calls and tracking. Okay. Um, and so that was, at least when she had the watch, I don't know, maybe there's different features on the watch now. Um, but so that really helped out. Um, and then transitioning her, allowing her a little more freedom and yep. a little more responsibility. So a couple of things about the, the phone, especially like the high end one, the Gab Phone Plus, which is $200. Um, you can get it with a contract. You can get it no contract, uh, although it says no contract for 30 bucks a month. You have to get service, a cell plan with it through Gab, apparently. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, there is another service, I believe, called Pinwheel. Mm-hmm. 
um, that you can bring your own cell phone plan. Okay. Um, and so it's this, they sell the device and then you have to pay the monthly fee. And then on top of that, you have to pay um, for your cell service. So uh-huh. I would definitely say that this is a little more of a um, affordable option. And we're, and also the plans are cheap. Well, the yeah, the uh, it doesn't it doesn't show exactly what you get with it, uh, but like minutes and that sort of thing. But um, it's unlimited. It's unlimited? unlimited minutes. Okay, it does say also that uh, they will have safe third party apps coming soon, so they will have apps available. Like it's a curated list, and so that's the thing is like they have Gab Music, but it's clean music, so there's no um, you know um, lyric, bad lyrics and that sort of stuff. So. I, I'd almost say this is especially good for kids at the younger ages, the preteen, because uh, you know I see if if you feel like your preteen needs a phone, this might be the the, the sort of thing that I would get them uh, because it does prevent them from having you. Know, you don't have to worry about having access to Sin City. <laughs> you know yeah. every you know if you give if you give a kid a phone, any any internet capable device, it is they will always unless you do something, be able to access the sewer of the internet. Like it's just the way it is. So this is a nice way of prepackaging that protection all in one. So you don't have to manage it yourself and know how to do it. My very opinionated thing on the fact of cell phones and being under 18 is that in most areas of life, we restrict um, complete freedom until you're 18. Or right. 21, yep. Or 21. And with the amount of availability of stuff on cell phones, I honestly don't think till 18 a full throttle cell phone should be given. Now, that may mean that they can have an iPhone with heavy parental controls set on it, right? But I think this... Um, kind of takes the having to be a full techie out of it for parents. Right. They, yeah. Yeah. I've tried Kaspersky safe kids and Microsoft family and they're, they're imperfect because there's always ways around it. They're never mm-hmm. going to stop. And the best advice is, you know, just stay close to your kids, you know, watch what they're watching, even if it's cringe, you know, and you would rather be watching something else, you know, watch the YouTube videos they're watching you know, know who they're talking to. Yeah. Again, we can't fix human problems with technology. Right. Yep. That's what it comes down to is, is, is you, you'll never, you're never going to find a, 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 the right, the phone that pre- completely protects your kids or a, a software, whatever. It's really about raising your kids, forming them into be good persons and, you know, helping them to, to know virtue and, and that sort of thing. But having tools that help is, is great too. So if so yep. th- th- I, I'm not opposed to that either. So uh, we're in the is, business of making saints, right? That's right. That's right. Excellent. Thank you, father. Uh, Victor, what's your pick this week? Yeah. So um, we talked a little bit about uh, tracking software and I'd like to recommend the, the Liberty mouse jiggler, which will jiggle your mouse. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's one of the things mentioned in the New York times article. They're about $50 on Amazon and uh, look pretty, look pretty slick. If you, find your, <laughs> if you find yourself needing one of those, you might want to just That's make sure funny. your your LinkedIn is updated and your Monster as well, and or whatever they use now, and find a job. But uh, in terms of mice, though, I've been using for about a year now 
the Logitech uh, MX Master 3S mouse, which is a very nice mouse. It looks very nice. Um, it works great. It's not uh, a total vertical mouse where your hand is sideways, but it's not a total flat down mouse. It's kind of somewhere in the middle, very comfortable. Um, what I really like about it, though, is I, I do work uh, at home and I have my, my work PC and my uh, personal PC, and I wanted one mouse and one keyboard for, for both. And so with this mouse, I can uh, there's a switch on it on the bottom. I just flip it up, hit the button, and uh, I can flip between which device I'm using the mouse for. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, and uh, uh, so it you know, uses Bluetooth as well as their uh, proprietary dongle which doesn't seem to be compatible with most other Logitech dongles, though, which is the only drawback. Mm. Um, but I get, like, at least two weeks out of a charge. You know, you don't have to replace the batteries. At, and so I'm um, very comfortable. It's a bit it's a bit pricey. Um, I got the light gray model, and I would never, ever, ever get a light gray mouse ever again because every bit of ink or dirt or grime on your hands <laughs> suddenly gets transferred to the mouse, and uh, my light gray <laughs> mouse is often not... Uh, not so Ew. light gray is kind of a more, yeah, but a little deoxid and stuff just uh, cleans it right up. But mm. yeah, I've had Logitech mice in the past, the programmable mice. I love, I've loved the, uh, them. They're really good. Uh, although you have to be a right-handed mouser. There are no left-handed. Oh, yes. 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 I should specify that. Um, but the, the scroll wheel is really nice because it's, it's magnetic. It, there's little, um, basically it doesn't have the notches in it. It's, it, it flips and it clicks because there's a magnet that makes it stop. But if you like do a really hard like like scroll on it, it'll just like roll like so. Nice. If you have like a really long like eleven page document, you just go and like the magnet <laughs> oh, doesn't cool. engage. And, yeah, so it's you know I figured if it was something I was going to be using for for ten or eleven hours every day, um, you know get something that that's comfortable and I can I can after a year and a half of using it, I can I can recommend it. I awesome. use the um, it's the M five seventy. Logitech, oh, that's a good and it's one, yeah. the one with the trackball in it, and so I'm wondering if they have one with the trackball that has that flip switch. Yeah, this is just a trackball. This I got from work, but haven't really used it. It's kind of their, I don't know what this would be, but it's just a trackball. Yeah, um, that's what mine is. You can, yeah, you can flip it, but um, oh, I can't. Oh, okay. I never really get, there's no, like, optical mouse or anything part of it, but, uh, and who's this guy? Uh, yeah, I don't know, but... Um, yeah, I, I never really got used to well, using the trackball. Well, the trackball technology now is actually an optical um, trackball. Oh, inside, yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. If I want to play like uh, Centipede or something, maybe I'll use that. <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I think, an older uh, Logitech, the Revolution or something like that. It was like a gaming mouse. Uh, you could put weights in it and stuff. It was kind of wild. Um, I just got it because it had a million <laughs> buttons and I love to program a bunch of stuff. But you know, I don't use a mouse now. I use a trackpad because I find that my hand cramps when I, I get, oh, yeah. I get short stubby fingers. So uh, my hand cramps when I use a mouse. So a trackpad is much better for me, but uh, Logitech mice are great. I, I can recommend them. I love the weighted, we, uh, the, the scroll wheel. It's that is yeah. really awesome. Cool. So my pick this week is another Mac app called iStat menus. And what iStat menus does is it, it sits in your menu bar as it uh, implies. And it tells you what's going on inside your computer. So, uh, 
you can you can set it up however you like with whatever uh, gadgets, shall we say, little uh, meters. So again, we're measuring everything. Uh, but this, uh, for example, uh, mine shows me uh, my input and output on my net my network throughput. You know, downloads and uploads. It, how much my CPU is working. What apps are using the processes. My CPU temperature. Um, it shows me the disk usage on my various disks and all kinds of stuff. And then it even lets me do some things like um, in the menus, it will, well, having trouble getting it to stay open. Um, I can launch terminal from here or the uh, utility or, um, you know, various other apps uh, you know, uh, that go along with making the Mac run smoothly. Uh, so it even gives me like a load average over time, like the, the CPU load frames per second. So it really gets into the nitty gritty. It ha- it shows me every one of like the temperature sensors. There's like 25 different temperature sensors in the, inside my Mac. I don't like, what were they all measuring? Performance core one, you know, it's like it's yeah. 120 degrees. What's going on? Every CPU core has, I think one or two uh, thermometers in it just to keep them from right burning. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then, you, you know, it, and it also gives me fan RPMs, which is very important for me because I got to make sure my Mac stays quiet while I'm recording and that sort of thing. So it's a really excellent little app. Uh, it's, uh, I forget how much it is. It's, um, well, you can buy it for 10 bucks or for $12. You can get a family pack for 15. Or if you use set app, this should be like a like a ring the bell when I say setup. Uh, if you if you if you set up, it's in there, and so it's all part of that ten dollars a month at setup, uh, where all the you get all two hundred more plus apps uh, as well. So you might you might just need to get a sponsorship for them now. With- <laughs> I know <laughs> they're getting all the free advertising now, um, but it it's it's just one of those things. I I owned iStat menus long before I had uh, setup, and that was one of the reasons why I I got setup was because now I never have to buy an upgrade to iStat menus as long as I have uh, setup. I'll have to try this. My um, school issued MacBook Air just came in. Nice. Um, so I'm a proud M1. <laughs> um, I'm I'm one I'm one of you now. <laughs> one of us. One of us. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think that should do it for now. We want to uh, encourage you to let us know what you think of anything we've discussed today. Uh, we'll if you send us your feedback, I'm sure we'll read it in a future episode. And you can do that by going to sqpn.com slash technology or our Facebook page, facebook.com slash StarQuest Media, or send do an that email. outside of the in-app browser. Yes, do this outside of an in-app browser. Uh, you can send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You can visit our StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash Discord, and you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week in our show notes at sqpn.com. Make sure that you're following us uh, wherever you find podcasts, like at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, in your favorite podcast app, or at the StarQuest YouTube channel. We should also make sure to hit the bell to get notifications. We'd like to thank James for his research assistance in this episode. And until next time, Victor Lambs, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Tom. And Father Joseph's son, thank you as well. You're welcome. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>